Welcome to Chase Oaks. We are so glad that you have joined us this weekend. We are continuing a series called The Names of God in an effort to get to know God a little bit more. In scriptures, uh, we have the name God, but then there are some nicknames, I like to say, for God, where you can learn a little bit more about his character and who he really is. What I've discovered is that for a lot of people, they hear about a version of God that somewhat misrepresents. God. Have you ever met somebody that just said something about God and you just thought, G-O-D told you that and that's what you think? And I don't know if you even have uh, family members, maybe colleagues, maybe neighbors, maybe friends that have this idea about God and you're like, what, how did, who, who told you that? I had a friend say, man, man, God just wants my money. And I thought, how much money you got? He's G-O-D. Like, are you serious right now? But that's, that's how some people can, can confuse what it means to be in a relationship with God. Now, I'm not a God know-it-all. I'm just like you. I pick up God's Word and I try to get to know Him a little bit more and, and really understand his names and I believe a person's nicknames they can tell you a little bit more about a person I don't know if you had a nickname maybe in elementary or in middle school but my my nickname are you ready for it little drip okay little drip Lil Drip was, was my nickname. My last name is Leek. First name is Ryan. If I didn't say that at the beginning of the message, so Ryan Leek. And so my friends were trying to, you know, come up with some sort of nickname for me. I heard all of the jokes, the faucet jokes. He, he, ha, ha. You're so funny. And then uh, my older brother, they called him Drip. And then I showed up and they went, Lil Drip. And so that's how I became Lil Drip. My first ever AOL screen name. If you don't know what AOL is... Uh, it just means you're 12. Um, it's American online. It was like the first internet used to like call. Even explaining it makes me feel like a dinosaur. Anyways, you had these screen names where you would chat with people. It felt like you were talking to Russian spies when you were doing it. Nevertheless, every person had an, a, a, a username. My username was Lil Drip 21. My MySpace page was MySpace.com slash Lil Drip 21. And now look at this. You already know me a little bit better. Just right now, you're like, I, you, how, some of you have known me for years, but you never knew I was Lil Drip, but now you do. Do not call me Lil Drip in the streets, okay? Like, if you see me at the mall, be like, Lil Drip, what's good? No, 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 no. Stick with Ryan, okay? Show me a little bit of, of respect. You know what else uh, lets us know about a person? Like, you can know somebody for 10 years and never know their middle name. Like right now, I want you to do this. I want you to look at your person on your right and tell them your middle name. Go, right now. Look at this. Look at this. And you, some of you are married. You're like, what? I didn't know that. It's awesome. Uh, my, my middle name is Paul. Ryan Paul Lee. So uh, there's only two people who call me Ryan Paul um, and that's when I've done something wrong. That would be my mother and my wife. Okay. Uh, my son called me Ryan Paul the other day because he thought he was, he was going to be funny. Again, what just happened? I just gave you a nickname and a middle name. And now you just found out something new about me. This is why we're going through the names of God. So today's name that we see in scripture is Jehovah Ra, which means the Lord our shepherd. I don't know what your relationship with God looks like. I don't know what your faith journey has been like up until this point. I don't know if you have a 
very strong relationship with God, or maybe you're at the beginning stages of your relationship with God. But my hope and prayer for you this weekend is that you would really get to know God as your shepherd. Psalms 23 says it like this. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. This is how the psalmist begins it. This is how King David introduces us to God, our shepherd. It's interesting how he says it. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. It's personal for him. He's experienced God in a way that would be like a shepherd. He could have said, the Lord is the ruler of the heavens and the earth, which he does at one point. But in this particular text, he's going... Let me tell you about my experience with my God. And when I experienced God and when I really got to know God in an intimate way, I discovered that he was my shepherd. It's interesting that a king like David would use a shepherd, which is one of the lowest, lowliest, if you will, positions in that ancient society. In fact, if you needed a shepherd, David knew this very well. Um, a shepherd's boy, a, a, a shepherd was, okay, this is what the youngest son is going to go do. They're, they're going to get the lowliest job. And yet, it's, it shows that we have this great God who is the ruler of the heavens and the earth, who holds the universe in his hands. But he illustrates it through being a shepherd to go, this great God is willing to stoop down low for you and for me. This is the kind of God that I think our world absolutely needs. Not just one that's high in the sky, one that is willing to stoop low and meet people right where they are. The other interesting thing about calling God your shepherd is it is almost insulting to you. Sheep are dumb. <laughs> They're very dumb. So, so by, by calling God and knowing God as your shepherd, what you are saying is going, I am completely reliant on you. I can't go left. I can't go right without you. My, my life is completely in your hands. You, you have to direct me. You, you have to give me guidance. You have to bring me food. A, a, a sheep is completely reliant on the shepherd. I mean, it's interesting that Jesus in the Gospels, he says, I am the door and I am the good shepherd. Those are actually connected. Uh, so if there was a sheep pen, think of a, a you, but uh, there was at the door uh, of that you was how uh, predators would get in to try and come and eat sheep. Um, there, there wasn't an actual gate. Uh, what would actually happen is uh, the shepherd would literally lie down. And the shepherd would literally be the door to get to the sheep pen. In other words, if you are a good shepherd, there was no way you were going to get to that sheep unless you go through me. A bad shepherd would leave the door open. And so that's why when you, you hear Jesus even making these ideas of saying I'm, he'll leave the 99 to go for the one, there was so much deep care for every single sheep. And this is what David is going. This is the God that I have come to know. And so I think when we know God as a good shepherd, I think there are four things that I think a good shepherd provides for us. The first thing is a good shepherd provides contentment. 
A good shepherd provides contentment. The Lord is my shepherd. The next line is this. I shall not want. I shall not want. Which is very, very difficult to do when you live in America. Very, very difficult because, let's just be honest, you and I both have a pretty decent list of wants. I mean, I, I don't even just have wants. I literally have wish lists that I add to frequently on Amazon and Target. I mean, we all have some level of, of wants. I, I think sometimes we confuse needs with wants. Uh, sometimes my son says, I need my iPad. Well, that's not true. That's not true. We know it's not true. I mean, sometimes we go, I, I, I need to get that kitchen renovated. Need? Well, that's a strong word. But uh, just, I, I think a very mature place to get in your walk with God and getting to know God is to be able to go, Hey, God, here's all of the stuff I want. The relationship the job, all of my personal preferences, everything that I want in life. I just, I want to give that to you. And here's the deal. Because I trust you with my life because you're a good shepherd. I'm going to give you all of my wants and trust you with the results of my life. Because sometimes we will allow the results of our life to determine our relationship with God. If things are going well, well then great. We can sing songs to God. And we feel like, man, we can go to church more. We want to be in this better relationship with God. But if things are going bad, it's going, well, God, you do for me first and then I'll, I'll do for you. Because I haven't gotten what I wanted lately. But I believe what a good shepherd does for us is, is a good shepherd comes in our life and goes, hey, regardless of the results of your life, do you trust me with it? You have to do no manipulation. You have to do no maneuvers. You can get to a place where our good shepherd goes, I got everything you need. And as long as I got a good shepherd on my side, I'm going to be all right. Psalms 23 goes on to say, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I think the second thing that a good shepherd provides is restoration. I heard a story this past week from a friend who was sitting with a spiritual director. A spiritual director is similar to a counselor, but also not necessarily a pastor that you are given permission to say, hey, would you speak life into my soul and provide some direction? And so my friend was sitting with a spiritual director, and they said a line that I thought was very, very interesting. They said, it takes about an hour to quiet your soul, to really quiet your soul. Even if you are sitting there not making any noise, it takes about an hour for you to stop talking to yourself. It takes about an hour for things to actually be still. No alerts, no buzzing, nothing. And, and when he said that, I just thought, I don't remember the last time I had an hour of 
no alerts, nothing while I was awake. I was just like, what in the world would that look like? I mean, when I, when I read this, that he, it says he, he, he leads me beside still waters. I, I just began to ask myself this question. Ryan, is there any part of your life that mirrors still waters? I mean, if we're honest, most of our lives, well, they mirror wave pools. I mean, I mean, if you're honest, some of you might even go tsunami. I mean, things are just crazy. I mean, I, I, I just meet very few people who would, could point to a portion of their life that goes, peace like a river, sleeping like a baby. Uh, I think our world needs a good shepherd. I love that he says he makes me lie down. I'm like, if that ain't for us, I don't know what is. It's interesting when I talk to people all around the country, albeit in church, albeit in the marketplace, I hear the same exact chief complaint. Exhaustion. And burnout. And it's interesting. A vacation nor nap could fix what was going on with them. There was no all inclusive resort. There was no cruise. There was no extravagant getaway that could solve what was going on deep down in their soul. And I just think, man, we, what we desperately need is the restoration of our soul and we have to be still long enough to experience God as that. I just wonder who's listening to this message this weekend that could just use restoration of their soul. And again, I, maybe you're checking out a church for the first time in a long time and I get it, you might have a lot of church hurt and some people did some bad things and, and you got a lot of reasons to be mad at the church, but I, I also have the sinking suspicion that maybe you're the very person that still needs a little bit of restoration for your soul. I know a lot of people that they're Christians, but they know church a little bit more than they know God. In fact, most of the people that walk away from God do so because of their experience with church. I've found very few people who experienced God as their shepherd and walked away from him. So regardless of where you are in your relationship with church, my prayer this weekend is that your relationship with God will continue to grow and that you would get restoration for your soul and that you would truly get to know God as a shepherd. Philip Keller writes in his book, it's called A Shepherd's Look at Psalms 23. He breaks down the whole idea of a shepherd lying down at all. He writes that a sheep will not lie down unless four conditions are met. He says that sheep are incredibly anxious about a lot of things, and so a shepherd has to deal with fear, friction, flies, and famine before they will truly lie down. I just think it's interesting what a shepherd has to do to make sure that their sheep are
okay. The picture I had in my mind as I was putting together the message for this weekend was just a shepherd truly taking care of their sheep. I mean, just complete, complete love. I've got a a three-year-old named Roman, and he's, you know, he's about half my size now. But I just remember, like, bringing him home from the hospital, and I still will carry him like this. Even though his legs are, like, flying off over here, I still just, like, there's just something about this position, this care, this, I got you. I got your back. I'm not going to. I'm not going to let anybody harm you. You're going you're gonna to be all right, okay? Even on your worst day, your daddy's got you. He could be sick, and there's still, it's like, I, I'm not making his sickness even go away, but, but we're so close. We're so near, and I just, I just have to wonder if sometimes we forget that this is how God feels about us, that he wants to hold us, wants to be near to us. I know we hear the phrase, God loves you, but I, I just wonder, when was the last time you believed it? When was the last time you truly, you truly felt it? I don't think that we can really get to know God in this way unless we slow down long enough to experience Him in this way. I think in Western civilization, where you and I find ourselves in is, well, the rat race. Go, 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 go. What are the most celebrated buzzwords in society? Go-getter. Hustle. Grind. Nobody's clapping for rest. Nobody's clapping for still waters. But I think at some point we have to get over what is celebrated and really begin to think about what is actually healthy for our soul. Psalms 23 continues to say this. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. I think the third thing that a good shepherd provides is comfort. In the most uncomfortable of circumstances. One of the things that a lot of times, you know, as a kid, I was taught to memorize Psalms 23. And so the valley of the shadow of death, it's just it just kind of rolls off of your tongue as just this metaphorical idea. But it is actually a real place. Uh, I want you to, to see this map briefly to better understand this. Um, The valley of the shadow of death is east of Jerusalem, and it's right there on the Kidron Valley, where you see all of these arrows, where one, two, three, the direction. It's interesting. This is the direction of Jesus in his last days. He literally had to walk through what is the valley of the shadow of death to get to the Garden of Gethsemane and gets arrested and has to go right back through it. David had to go through this exact same valley when he was on uh, in exile during the rebellion of Absalom. The valley of the shadow of death is essentially a graveyard. In this day and age, this is where the city dump was. There was a fire that was never ending. This is where they actually even sacrificed children. This is a very, very, very scary 
place. This is a very literal place that David had to walk through and Jesus had to walk through. You could go there today. It's still not the prettiest place in the world. And I just find it very interesting. Because I, I think that there's, when it comes to the theology of God, there's lofty. And what I mean by lofty, it's like, this is what we'd like to believe about God. But then there's like real theology. And real theology is going, hey, uh, what we'd like God to do is to just save everybody all the time. That nothing bad ever happens to anybody. Ladies and gentlemen, that's called heaven. We're on earth. Doing our best to bring a little bit of heaven on earth every single day. But what I love about the shepherd, what I love about how David uses this, is, he, is, is he's going, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it, it's low. The city literally cast a shadow over this valley. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Um, what's interesting is, is the contrast of uh, if you ever get an opportunity to go to Israel, I encourage you to do so. Uh, David's palace like overlooks this great mountain range. It's beautiful. It's like up high on a mountain. It's, it's awesome. But it's interesting that he didn't write that. As I stepped out onto the balcony of my palace, you are with me. That would have been awesome. No. On my worst day. I think that's real theology. I, I wish I could tell you that everything is going to be amazing in the future. Everything in your life. That you get a car and you get a car and you get a car. And that you're going to get a mansion and you're going to get a mansion and you're going to get a mansion. And that your kids are always going to be healthy and nobody's ever going to die of a virus. And that things are always going to be perfect. It's not. That's not the earth you and I live on. But we do live on an earth where a good shepherd stoops low enough to meet us in the darkest places of our life. And I realize there are so many people that call Chase Oaks home, that faithfully show up, that faithfully give, that faithfully serve, that continue to show up week after week, and sometimes will even lift their hands and worship the name of God. And they're going through the hardest time of their life. They got a diagnosis that left them with no hope. They've got an abusive person in their house that they can't escape. Their kids are making decisions that have literally stolen their parents' sleep for months on end. And that's why, that's why I think the world needs a good shepherd. Somebody not to deliver us. Somebody to meet us right where we are. Hey, you might hate your job, and I get it. And a few weeks ago, I prayed that you had a toxic job. So that might be on me. <laughs> However, while you pray for a better situation, 
My prayer is that God would meet you right where you are. Well, maybe you're just so frustrated with your family, and, 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 and you really can't pray for a new family. I don't, that's like, you're kind of stuck with what you got, okay? Like, you know, like, that's not a thing. However, I pray God would meet your family as is, like right where they are. I pray that God would show up in your marriage as rough as it might be right now. That this is not, not the God that has to always come and rescue us. And he does that sometimes. Don't get me wrong. But I think the real theology, the real knowing of who God is, is to, is to go, God, would you, would you meet us right where we are? He prepares a table for us even in the presence of our enemies. Oh, it's just such an interesting concept. Because most of us don't want to sit with our enemies. But isn't it amazing that God could go? We could sit with them if we sit with them together. And you might think there's no way I'm ever going to thrive at this place with all of these enemies surrounding me. You'd be surprised what can happen when you invite a good shepherd to meet you there. And I love that in this text, God makes the table. So whose table is it anyways? Psalms 23, verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The fourth thing that I think a good shepherd provides us is two of the best followers. Goodness and mercy. Isn't it interesting? You've got David walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And in this same horrific picture, he's got two followers, goodness and mercy. It's interesting. In the same text, he's going, yeah, God was with me. And guess what was right behind me, walking right through the valley of the shadow of death? Goodness and mercy. I think one of the most mature places any one of us can get is a place where we can understand that we're not waiting for our circumstances to determine if goodness is on this way. And here's the other part that I love. Is, I don't know how your week is going to go, but I think goodness can be behind you. And I don't know the mistakes that you're going to make, but I know that mercy can come running. We need both. I think about one of my best friends who I was on the phone with yesterday, who was getting on a flight to Miami. He has a, uh, he's a pastor um, in Chicago and has a location in Cape Coral. And that area has been ravished. And it is a horrible scene. And if I'm honest, I think about the amount of Christians that were praying for the storm to turn the other direction. And it did not. That is real theology. But I just think there's something powerful about somebody that after the storm is passed can come back to their residence that is now rubble and still muster the courage to call God good. To say, you know what? I've been through the worst of times, but God's goodness is not on trial. And that even in the midst of an absolute national crisis 
that somebody could go, I'm looking for God's goodness when I can only see a glimpse of it. I think that's the God we need to know. And I think that's the God that wants to have an intimate relationship with you. Not the one that's always doing the rescuing, but the one that is showing up in the middle of our darkest times. That's the name of God I want you to think about this weekend. God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to open your word once again. We don't take that for granted. God, I pray for our friends in Florida who are going through one of the toughest times of their lives. And God, I pray that you would be their shepherd. That your goodness and your mercy would follow them as they try to literally put the pieces back together of their life. I pray, God, for my friends here in Texas. God, as they navigate the different challenges that they face in their everyday life. God, I pray that you would continue to give them the strength that they need to continue to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray, everybody say, amen. 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 Amen.